and welcome to Bold Conscious Connections, the show where we delve into the journeys of exceptional individuals who have embraced their true potential. My name is Raju Panjwani, your guide on this adventure of discovery. In each episode, we connect with inspiring leaders, entrepreneurs, and visionaries who share their stories of transformation, resilience, and success. This is a space for you to find inspiration, my friends, learn from others' experiences, and ignite your own path of personal and professional growth. Now, so whether you're seeking a spark of motivation or strategies for success, join us on this journey of bold and conscious connections. In this refreshed season four, Bold Entrepreneurial Tales, we're celebrating the stories of individuals who bravely stepped beyond traditional roles to follow their entrepreneurial hearts, as I say. These are not just business stories. They're personal journeys of courage, creativity, and transformation. Whether you're dreaming of starting your own venture or seeking inspiration to keep going, these tales are for you. Join us as we share relatable life experiences, real life experiences, challenges and triumphs that resonate with your journey towards success and fulfillment. Now, without further ado, let me get to today's episode. Well, you don't need to be a woman to be inspired by this bold entrepreneurial tale as we continue our series, season four, about bold tales. We have a story here that is as inspiring as it is enlightening. Lyra Mikhailova, I hope I got your name right, Lyra. Her journey is a vibrant tapestry of medical expertise, entrepreneurial grit, and a profound understanding of women's wellness. Lyra's story isn't just about professional success, though. It's about the courage to reinvent yourself, the resilience to overcome life's unexpected turns, and the wisdom to find balance in all of it. In our conversation, we unravel how Lyra's personal challenges fueled her, victories around her professional work, transforming obstacles into stepping stones for innovation and impact. From the nuances of starting a venture to the emotional journey behind it, Lyra's experiences, as you will hear, offer a rare glimpse into the realities of being a woman entrepreneur in today's world. So whether you're in the throes of your own entrepreneurial journey or seeking a dose of inspiration, man or woman, Lyra's insights are a treasure trove of lessons and motivations. So be prepared and be captivated as we uncover the layers of her remarkable journey, filled with moments of vulnerability, strength, and transformative change. Let me not stand between Lyra and you. I want to welcome my new friend, Lyra Mikhailova. I am sorry if I if I messed that up, but I tried a few practice sessions before. It's wonderful. I appreciate it. It's absolutely wonderful to be here. Wonderful to see you. So uh, I'm not going to give too much of a background, but it's important, particularly for the audio version here, that you know I'm going to put some of the stuff in the show notes. But I'm going to ask you who Lara is, not what she does, but who she is. I think that's often usually what I'm asking people, where instead of what do you do? I often ask them, like, what's one thing you want to do before you die? I'm like, let's just start strong. <laughs> let's let's do this thing. I think that in general, the easiest way to start it off is I am a woman who's questioned a lot of the rules and subsequently had the audacity to do something about them. So I would say I'm a woman who asks questions, but um, it's fairly gritty. 
uh, and tenacious. And so a lot of interesting things have happened as a result. Mm. Well, I can't wait to hear about that. And the reason I, I really wanted uh, everyone to hear and actually watch uh, Laura on, on the show is because I, I met her through through a program we're going through ourselves together. Mm-hmm. And one thing led to another. And I just found this very feisty woman at the other <laughs> end. And I just thought that she's a force to reckon with. And we had a, we had a nice chat. Uh, so, you know, again, uh, I always say that you know, stories make the world go around and you have, I mean, we all have stories and you have a story that, that uh, you've been telling in your ways to other people. But I really believe that it would be such a great thing to have you here to talk about all the turning points that we all have in our lives that, that bring us to where we are. Again, not necessarily what we do, but we express ourselves in doing. Yes, of course, mm-hmm. we all do do something. So let's talk about the first story and what is what is it brought you here? I know you are... You're a board certified OBGYN, you know, nurse practitioner. You have a great background in neurosciences, physiology, behavior, psychology, and all of that has led to where today? To me, leaving a lot of it behind. It's led to me using it as a really amazing foundation to really asking more. So now I run a practice. Um, I do run a practice. And like you said, it's a uh, Sometimes we're not defined by what we do, but I think that if we're lucky enough, the lines blur. So what I do now, I'm lucky enough to have actually filter into my life. Um, I live it. I practice it. I teach it. I embody it. I make mistakes in it. I learn from it. It's the whole thing. Um, So my practice now, it's called Whole Womanhood. Um, It is a practice that fuses whole womanhood, like the whole thing. Um, You're focused on women primarily. Is that fair to say? Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Um, I've worked with men. My preference is to to work with what I know. Mm-hmm. I feel like um, I, I can excel given I have I have a similar background. Um, but the practice itself essentially is born out of a very weird necessity where I felt like I couldn't be one of the first ones that's asking like, why aren't we getting to root causes? And then I, on the other side, was thinking, well medicine and science only get us so far, right? Like what about what happens when you're ready for a little bit more magic? What happens if you try to fuse the two? My practice definitely became non-traditional after a very traditional conventional background, right? I went to some of the top schools. I studied the top things. Um, I enjoyed myself. And now my practice kind of took on a brand new layer and it fuses functional medicine it fuses nervous system repair for women. And then it dives into what I think has really been left behind, which is not only root cause medicine, but once we kind of cross that threshold, it's feminine alchemy, it's embodiment, it's feminine energetics, it's diving back into something rather than trying to really expand out and keep seeking. Um, Kind of how do we bring ourselves home? And so those three now, um, they're definitely a work in progress, but, uh, it's been a wild ride. All right. So a lot of people are probably still confused like to what does this person really do in life? All right. So let's take it back to the beginning. You're an immigrant into the United States. Give us a nutshell of that story, but, and what is the first turning point in your life that led to you, you know, focusing on women and finding them the essence of who they really are? Yeah. Um, wonderful question. I think that. A lot of us who are immigrants are really shaped by that being 
either our first pivotal experience or it's the second experience where you really come across what you've had to leave behind. Mm. Um, so it's essentially the restructuring of your surroundings, of your soul. You are really trying to embody something where you have no idea how the hell you got there. So I'm an immigrant. I'm originally from Russia. Um, I came early on and it's just early on enough to be completely conscious of the fact that you are screwed <laughs> in the beginning. Um, you don't speak How the old language. Were you? Context. How old were you? Oh, I, was, I was young. I was about five. Okay. And I also came as a refugee, hmm. which sheds another layer because it hmm. wasn't the um, immigration that some people face. It was extremely challenging. Hmm. It had a lot of, a lot of turning points. And I think that uh, because of not only being an immigrant, but being a refugee, being a woman, um, you develop this deep level of empathy. You also develop this deep, deep craving to just be accepted, mm -hmm. right? Where do you find that deep resonance between this is who I am or this might be what I want versus screw all of that. Please just like me. <laughs> Like, yeah. please, please just, just like me, accept me. I learned English by watching Saved by the Bell, right? I watched Full House. All I wanted to be was an Olsen twin. I figured that would solve all my problems. Um, so I think that that was one of the first turning points. And then um, the second was that I was involved in some uh, pretty serious near fatal accidents. And they seemed to to catch me. Here. Accidents, so plural. Accidents. So, yeah. So... Mm. I was in a car crash. I was hit by a drunk driver. Um, I had to relearn how to walk effectively. Um, I was misprescribed medication um, in a very terrible turn of events that wound up burning holes down my throat. I had to relearn how to eat. I had to relearn how to breathe. Um, Maslow's hierarchy, right? Like you, you get you get really good at just drilling down at things and being like, just let me breathe, let me eat, let me walk. Let me walk in. Let me get the hell out. Let me just have sovereignty and agency over these very basic um, human functions. And I think very early on, it made me realize I want to go into medicine. I want to change the world. It also made me mad at medicine. Um, now, being misprescribed things, medical malpractice is it is last I checked the third leading cause of death in America. When we actually look at it deeper there's these moments that shaped me where I realized I'm going to go in the field. I'm going to get to know it from the inside. And because I'm just this like very shy little girl, right. Or was very shy little girl. All I want to do is go into medicine, help people. And that'll solve all of everyone's problems. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's kind of where it started. Those were the most pivotal points. The thing that really, really changed things was to actually try to rehabilitate myself from being injured and learning to dance. I keep joking that I think the politically correct way to describe some of us before we bloom or blossom is bridge troll. <laughs> and some of us, uh, some of us, nature wasn't as nice to us in the beginning. Um, so I was thinking dancing, what does this mean? There, there's anger, there's resentment, this like, why me? Right. There's this inherent victimization. I think that a lot of us face, but particularly when you're little, it's like, why can't I just run like the other kids? Why can't I sound like the other kids? Why can't I eat what the other kids are eating? And so I started dancing and that completely changed my life. I was the opposite of a natural. I was absolutely terrible. It was so bad that it was good, but it, it inherently shaped um, 
the very first layers of my practice, which it was at first I studied neuroscience. I was going to go into medicine, but I actually got my way through university by teaching dance, by starting a little company called the physiology of dance. Mm. I was already trying to like merge movement for women under the guise of physiology and look what we can do with our bodies. And like, if I can walk, you can walk, right? There's these things where we'll be okay. Uh, we have each other. And that kind of propelled me forward. Stanford too, right? You said? Uh, no, I worked at Stanford. You worked at Stanford, working there. I studied, so all my higher education was in Boston. Mm -hmm. um, I was with wonderful people. I worked in, I had amazing residencies. I worked in very uh, wonderful hospitals. And I was, uh, I got a scholarship. I got what I would say is the most uh, sought after scholarship in the nation. I wanted to go into community medicine. That was that was my goal. So I had residencies where I worked in a prison and I worked in in very um, intense settings. Mm. Um, and so Stanford was kind of the end result of me working for a few years in community medicine. So I worked in community health. I worked um, deep in the throes of trying to make a difference. But this was where people, they bring you a miscarriage in a tissue. Right. You open to do a pap smear and you see something mm. that has no, that's something where someone has an end date and it's coming soon. It's an incredible place to learn. We, we all of us who were there were under this impression where you learn in six months, what you see in community medicine, what it takes people 10 years to see. You literally don't know what you're going to walk into. And as a result, I was so excited. And I also became one of the sickest women I knew. A lot of us in healthcare, a lot of us as, mm. as women, a lot of us now just across the board are unwell. And I got sick along with everything else that happened. I got sick pretty early on in my life. As a result, it was always this need to be like, well, if I can learn more about the body, innately maybe I can also help myself, right? It's not fair. The universe keeps trying to kill me, right? You want to like fight back. I was unwell for a number of years. Um, and then by the time that I was in community medicine, I at one point would have my medical assistants just follow me and they would check my blood pressure before I walked into patient visits to make sure that I wouldn't be the one that drops. There were so many different issues and we would all see each other. Um, so people would see me for gynecology. I would see derm, derm would see primary. And you keep thinking that you're going to get better. Like you have like the golden ticket in, right? Like you can technically run your own labs. And then we all just kept getting sicker. Hmm. We're burnt out. We're unwell. We don't understand the premise of why, right? Like, but why are we unwell? Yes, we get it that we've, be we've become good diagnosticians or we can use algorithms and acute medicine shines, right? But then there's this idea of like, okay, but why did this happen? But why high blood pressure? But what is inflammation? But why rashes? But why hormonal imbalances? But why gut issues? This, but why, but why, but why? And it takes you deeper. And I couldn't answer that at all. All I knew is that I was still young enough that I should be well. And I was getting sicker by the month and I moved to Stanford um, or I transitioned there because I was hoping that it would just be a chance for me to breathe. Hmm. Um, I worked in an area that was um, sometimes I would call my partner and say, you know, that I can't come home right now. There's literally a SWAT raid like outside of our parking lot. I can't leave. And so I felt like it would inherently be better for my nervous system. It would inherently be better for my quality of life that I'm not worried about my physical safety.
as much as I was, and that I could be around mentors. I could be diving into deeper cases that have more resources available. What would that look like? Um, and that's how I wound up there. So what is the constraint? It sounds like there is, you know, on the one hand, your own experiences with the difficulty and the, and the trauma of going through what you were going through at a, at a very early age in life. And then these questions, sounds like these were your questions rather than a patient asking you these questions to which you didn't have any answers. But it's just always about the questions, right? And they go, well, why is this? And why is the blood pressure? And is there an interaction between this blood pressure and high blood pressure and something else that's going on? So you're in this current, whatever we want to call it, I don't want to badmouth morass or whatever else of this system we're in, but it, it allows that to at least freely speak about it. The question then is, well, what is it that you were looking for at, at the time that led you to to focus only on women and, the, and their issues? And I, and I love in your description of, of some of the things we talked about before as well, like you fuse the specialty with embodiment of work that reconnects women to their sacred feminine wisdom, pleasure, vitality, ability to lead a turn on life. I mean, that's ideal, such an idealistic for everybody, right? Men too, I think of that as, as well. But you know, but you're no, no, you call it your spicy, which is why I think this is a great thing for me to have you is you're spicy for yeah. sure. But your spicy, no BS approach combines joy, evidence-based data at the same time, like joy and evidence-based data, they don't go together. So anyway, I, I don't want to ramble, but the point is that there's all this stuff that you've put out there and now you're, you're helping women. So clearly there was a shift somewhere deeper that happened. And I was going from these questions you have to where you were and then did you find answers or there weren't any answers anyway and you had to explore them for yourself. My patients would ask me the same questions that I would ask myself and I loved what I did. I loved what I did. I, even in community health, they would rate us, like they would score us on, I was part of an initiative for Bedside Manor and I was one of the highest scoring clinicians in California because I would tell people all the time, like, I don't know, but let's figure it out or let's get creative. Or I would, I would like literally just tell everyone, you know, I'm going to run late with you because I ran late with them. Like, you're not going to have a lunch break. You're going to see a billion people. Hmm. And what I realized is that I was unwell. A lot of us are still presenting quite nicely. You just because you're unwell doesn't mean you're sick. Right. And that's what I try to make very clear for people is you don't have to get sick before you start actually paying attention to your body. The goal sometimes is not to get a diagnosis because you actually aren't sick enough to have earned it. And so what I knew inherently is I was already diagnosed with high blood pressure. I already had hormone issues. I already had gut issues. I had like the, the whole buffet. But as women asked me these questions of like, but where does this come from? Something very simple, like a, a yeast infection, sexiest topic around. I would be talking and I'd be like, oh, it comes from yeast. So what winds up happening is, does it come from yeast? Because now you can start thinking deeper and you're like, but how did it get there? Why is it overgrowing in you, but not her? Why is it recurring? What's going on in your life? Right. I started really diving into these really inspirational people who tried to merge these worlds. The goal was not to shun either holistics or conventional it's trying to say, why don't we merge them? Why is modern medicine going into this place where it's exactly where you want to be when acute things happen? 
when emergent things happen, but what happens when you're not yet on the edge? And so I had to be my own patient. Um, I was always known more as the hippie clinician. I was always almost like talking about like back alley gluten where I was just like, listen, I, maybe you shouldn't eat this. I don't know. Uh, maybe yes, maybe no. Um, I went back, I studied with the Institute of uh, Functional Medicine. So I really got curious about this because I realized that a lot of my patients were also clinicians in conventional medicine. And it took me years. It took me years to really very systematically like dig myself out of a hole. And what I realized is the thing that saved me wasn't wellness, it was resilience. Mm. It's this quest for vitality. It's this understanding of emotional fluidity. As a woman, as a, as a human, you can be angry about what's happening to you and you could still be, be joyful in a situation that happens, right? You can have this dynamic parallel set of experiences and its nervous system was missing. Before I was talking about embodiment, before I was using words like alchemy, non-ironically, like the actual transformation of something that's not that valuable into treasure, right? Before I was using these words, we kind of had to take a step back and think, we never talk about the nervous system. You can only go as far as your nervous system deems safe. Mm -hmm. That's it. And then we're putting these situations of burnout. We're putting these situations of productivity culture. Our worth is measured in our productivity. And so what happens is now we're boss babes or we're in hustle culture or grind culture or whatever. And how dare you listen to your nervous system when she says, please slow down or I can't do this, right? We equate it with failure. We equate it with weakness. I talk about this a lot where the idea of rest in particular for women, because now we've had to play the quote unquote catch up game, which is a terrible game that we shouldn't even be playing, but rest now actually elicits this deep discomfort in women. It elicits panic because what we now know as rest and what we perceive as like, I'm just going to lay down on the couch or I'm going to go frolic in a meadow, whatever. We're not actually getting that from our nervous system. What we're getting is a situation where we're putting ourselves into a state of withdrawal. We are literally withdrawing from addiction. We're withdrawing from addiction to productivity. We're actually being faced with who am I in these empty moments? Is this aligned? Why can't I stop? Why do I need that next boost or that thing that shows me that I am worthy? And I think the link to that was nervous systems. That's what I started doing. It was a very, very slow unraveling getting to root causes once you start diving into medicine a bit differently means that you're not saying either of them is bad you're saying please use both right please understand both but what i've come to realize is that women understand neither right we were never taught anything so there are certain things about hormones that i learned after being board certified as a specialist in hormones i still didn't know those things they would have been really helpful to dive back into these ancestral foundations, to kind of take things back to basics. And instead we're taught to be like, okay, what's the next thing? The hedonistic treadmill, what's your next degree? Where's your next vacation? What are you gonna buy next? What are you gonna cross off your to-do list? And it never goes back to center. So we're in these states of deep nervous system freeze or dysregulation. Your body won't heal. And more importantly, I think the idea of being healed is a crock of shit. Right. It's something's always going to happen to you. The next shitty thing or the next magical thing are just around the corner. 
And so it's this idea of not going to this finish line. It's about that fluid state of resilience. That's kind of what led me to establish a new baseline. What happens if you can feel well again? What if you can feel okay? You, you know, I'm eerily aware that this also applies to men. Men are the ones that have been basically bombarded with the, the idea of productivity. And if you're resting, you're crazy. You know, what is, what does that even rest for a man? Are you kidding me? The resilience you would think as you, as you use these words and you were just talking about that in that context, it already exists. It's been given to us by nature to be resilient. However, in the human condition of society today, what you're saying for women, it is not expected. What do you mean resilient? Yeah. Yeah. You already have that. What do you mean you can't bounce back and, and what do you need you to rest? Right? Um, yeah. And I think that we, a hundred percent and we, we accidentally now muddled things up. Mm. Um, I think the narrative has become that resilience equates to strength. Mm. I make it very clear to women when I enter my practice. And I also just wanted to know what you said uh, with men, this absolutely applies to men. Men have been robbed too. The goal is never to point fingers. It's it's quite the opposite to say, how did we get here, right? How do we actually take action? How do we how do we evolve and transform into something different? And what inherently winds up happening is now all we're praised for across genders, doesn't matter what you identify with, who you identify with is strength. Oh my God, look how strong she is. Look how strong he is. And I keep trying to explain to people, I say this often, being strong and powerful are two very different things. And so I'm, I'm always in the state of saying that strong women say yes, powerful women, and this can be people say no. Mm. That's the difference. Mm. That's the critical difference is where do we hold a boundary that's inherent to our ability to repair? So let me ask you then in your work with, with women, whether you coach them or are they clinically part of your, your world, you know, there's no BS, spicy does that work with women or is, is that the um, only way that works? I know I don't it works think with it's, as a man, but you know, don't give me the soft stuff. Um, no, I think women are craving it more than ever. I think we've lost human connection and mm. people are, you can always find a community of the same now. <laughs> That's wonderful in some ways. And it's very difficult in others because it's hard for people to step out of that community. And if they're faced with any kind of disagreement, Right. It's inherently like, no, 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 it's got to be wrong, which means that oftentimes women don't have true authentic mirrors. Mm. Right. They're so caught up. And this, again, applies to all people. People are so burnt out mm. that what they need is not someone to coddle them. They need someone who exhibits deep compassion and kindness. But I think that niceness, mm. niceness, this idea to to mold and amoeba yourself into a situation to appease others is total crap. Right. It's kindness. It's authenticity. It's compassion. And so when women enter this, I mean, I guess it works. My wait list is like a year long. So um, definitely it, it works. My practice booked out like crazy when I thought like, would this work? Oh, my God. What do I know? Women sob the moment that I tell them that it's just it's OK. You're safe here. What does it actually look like for us to say? Please let's say, I'm, I'm saying this all the time, like science is sexy. <laughs> let's look at the data. Let's also not hide behind it. Let's also not supplement you as a Band-Aid. Let's also acknowledge the fact that your exposome, that mm -hmm. entire physical 
earth around you, right? The exosome is literally everything that makes up your life, your community, your partnership, what you eat, where you live, what we're telling women and why I had like a, just why I got pissed inherently was that we almost told people that once you get well, shut the hell up. Like now that you're not sick, work harder. My question is always like, but what's on the other side of that? Okay, you're not, now you can poop. Great job, small class. Now you don't have migraines. Now you figured out the root causes of things. Let's say if you're lucky, you actually get to these root causes. Why do you care? Like wh what life do you wanna live? How do you wanna feel on the other side of this? Yes. What is it that you're doing this for? And most importantly, how can you embody it in a state that actually ignites you? Not because you're into wellness and you're into fitness and you're an Instagram superstar and you live a bullshit, right? Very aesthetically driven life, right. but because it's so deeply rooted that you become more unfuck withable. Ooh, that's, that's, a, that's, I want to touch on two things. One is maybe acknowledge Dr. Jen Gunther. Is that, is that one of the persons you had mentioned uh, to me? Like she was part of the work that she does, does in this area or no? What do I know? Jen Gunther? Is that, no? That's so I know of her, but for me, it was different people that kind of got me here. I see. Okay. Um, That's okay. And then there was a story you were telling me about the TV show Made in Heaven, all this stuff. What some of the things you saw as you, as you grow and also some of the trauma that, I mean, the reason you touch on generational abuse or therefore the, the healing of the generational healing. A lot of people talk about that now. It's, a, it's like a prominent thing, uh, particularly among women. Can you comment on, on a couple of those things? Absolutely. I think that trauma is now a catch-all phrase. I think it's incredibly important. I think it's pivotal. And I think that now women are people, again, I'll, I'll take it to everybody, but now people are getting this sense of like, wow, I want to feel differently. And what we've done for a lot of people is we've essentially just put a couple of like sacks of cement on top of them and been like, oh, it's because you have trauma. Well, what are people supposed to do with that? Right. That to me is the ultimate. I, a lot of people aren't clear of what the word embodiment even means. Yes. Right. If we want to move through these things, if we want to understand them, then I think that it's very important to understand that we now treat ourselves like this big old brain that's walking around. Mm. Right. It's this big brain and our body is just like a conduit. Right. We, we can cook mm. with it and we can drive with it and we can yell and rage and whatever with it. The problem is like. A lot of people are very well aware of this book, but the body keeps the score, yeah. right? The way that we store, the way that we process the, the physical states that our nervous system enters and subsequently downregulates or upregulates our body. Right. Physically, that's something that is body first. And so when we talk about trauma, oftentimes when women enter my practice and they're coming in and they're like, I have migraines, I have rashes, my hormones are a mess, my libido is low, I gained 50 pounds, whatever. Mm -hmm. They're usually a little bit shocked when I'm like, that's exactly where we will wind up in a bit, but we start with your nervous system. Mm -hmm. And they're usually looking at me and they're like, I don't even understand what you're talking about. <laughs> What do we do with her? What do we do with it? Do I just do breathing? Like, don't worry, I've done all these classes. And it's this idea, again, of making you more than just your trauma and 
most importantly, giving it a space to actually move through you instead of store. And mm -hmm. so what we have to do is we have to stop being top down. And I keep telling people like, you got to open up this little trap door. You got to open up this trap door and physically let your body somatically bring you back to a state of safety. Like use this beautiful, wild, amazing thing that you have, not just to get you to the end of a very tired day, but to actually help you understand how are you reacting? Do for, for people very simply, where is the pain in your body? Does the same pain point flare up every time that you know you're going to have a meeting with your boss? Do you know, notice that your, your leg is wiggling? Do you like, where are these things physically stored? And that's where oftentimes I go back and say that my, my background is conventional. My background is science. This is the kind of thing where the, the data is incredible to see. And this is where I'm asking people to don't just talk about it. Don't just talk about it. We have to move through it. We have to understand it. We have to build out a village. What does that look like? Right before there's any resilience, there is worth. Proving to people that they are worthy of even asking for help is that first hurdle, right? And that's where trauma support comes in. And that's where resilience comes in. But it's the fact that our esteem and our worth are so low that it doesn't, resilience is a, it's a, it's a really nice, beautiful word, like in glitter, right? On the billboard. Mm. But to get to it, you have to actually work things. So, so uh, I'm a woman. I need to have certain characteristics for me to come to you. So now I now I watch this or listen to this episode. I know where to find where to find you, and we can go through that, and we'll put that in the show notes. But what is the type of person am I that once I found you, what does it begin? How long is the journey? Is it talk therapy? Sounds like it's not medical intervention. It doesn't seem that way, but it can be. Uh, or just do some analysis or, or diagnostics, maybe. But you say that's not who we are. We've become trained for, to be that as a as a healthcare worker, if you will, or a nurse. But more than that, it's about there are ways. And, and then how long does this process take? And then at the end of it is, is it liberation or is it more understanding? I know, I know it was meant to get, get a chuckle out of you. <laughs> yeah, it's, um, you know, it's funny. I keep saying that I've never looked for women to work with. They always find me. I'm completely word of mouth. I am, it's, um, it's near impossible to find me on Instagram. I don't show up. Some of us keep ourselves, or I used to keep ourselves completely hidden because we're just trying to go into this deep layer of work until you realize that I work with well-known people. I work with stay-at-home mamas. I work with across the board, all kinds of women. What winds up happening is they usually hear about me through word of mouth, but I'm very transparent. I don't gatekeep anything. Mm -hmm. uh, which means for a lot of people now I'm realizing women deserve to know this. This shouldn't be just working with me. This is why platforms, this is why I'm physically building things in the background. Because mm -hmm. um, initially the work was to work with me one-on-one. -on -one. The work is that we are diving so deeply together mm -hmm. that every facet that you can imagine comes up in this entire journey. Mm -hmm. And so usually they come in, it's... My job is to read between the lines. My job is to hear the story. My job is to listen to the story. And then my job is to say something back that they've never heard before. Mm -hmm. um, I joke all the time that I'm like, I'm like the weirdest pot at the end of the rainbow. 
where usually I'm not your first rodeo. People have done their work. These are very capable people. They're smart. They're driven. They're usually very confused. They're self-medicating or self-supplementing. They're feeling alone in their journey. They're feeling unheard. And yet they also could be famous. They could be running companies. They could have three children who look at them as like, oh my gosh, she's the one or he's the one that's on a trampoline with us. How much energy do they have, right? They're still showing up completely. It's just at their own expense. And so usually what wound up happening is I say back the story and I'm like, put on a helmet, let's party. What it looks like initially is we set up these critical foundations. I have yet to see a single woman, it doesn't matter how many people they've worked with, how many classes they've taken, how much education they have, that has actually gone through the essential foundations that we talk about. These are foundations that uh, the whole point isn't it that it's not your next cleanse. It's not your next like quick and dirty way of just putting another bandaid on it. Mm-hmm. It's this really deep homecoming of are you doing these things that inherently help your body build resilience? Okay, you're doing three of them. Are you doing more? Can we integrate it into your life? Can we habit stack it? So this isn't another to do for you. It's actually a sigh of relief, mm-hmm. right? It's not more on your plate. It's less. And I do run testing, right? So I love understanding there's a time and a place. I'm often very surprised at how much people are over testing. You don't need to know that much. You just need to know where to look, right? So I think testing is a good part of it. But as you start foundational work, as you start nervous system repair, as you get into the data, as you understand a person's worth, mm-hmm. are, do they victimize themselves? Do they yearn for things? Are they in a relationship? Are they in in a family, whatever dynamic? What is it that makes up this person's existence? And do they feel like they actually have the potential to be something outside of who they are? How long does it last? And is is there such a thing? Or because if you're not doing one-on-one, where are they going for continuity or? Yeah, so I I do one-on-ones for now. My practice booked out so far, which was both wonderful and a double-edged sword that I realized I can't have people wait nine, 10, 12 months. Mm-hmm. Um, so the idea is they're, they're usually working with me for a minimum of six months, okay. minimum. In that time, we go through the facets of their nourishment, their relationship to food. What do they put in their body? What do they not put in their body? Uh, there's this crazy idea, right? Where especially in American culture, there's this, there's this want of more. There is this, the next big shiny, whatever it is. As a result, if we give people answers, it's very dangerous when people move into holistic medicine or functional medicine, because there's a lot of protocols. There's a lot of spot treatment. There's a lot of, we found your parasite. We found you this. Now we have to go after it. Now you have to do all of these things for it. And I'm often asking people, what if we crowd out the bad with the good? That's the law of volume. If you add more good, what do we do when we actually don't demonize what's in your body? We don't demonize your symptoms. In fact, we actually take you on a level of forgiveness of how you got here. For those of us that were on hormonal birth control like me for years and years and years, because I didn't know anything about how my body works, but I taught it. I could tell you in a textbook way, but I couldn't tell you how to align with my cycle. Even when I did work with men, I would tell men, this is how you actually live cyclically, even though your cycle is a 24 hour or 24 and a half hour cycle, Mm -hmm. right? As women, we're very different. And so as you move through that, 
you're essentially peeling off layers. Yes, you're getting data answers. They're incredibly validating. Yes, you can use herbs if and when you need to, but your life is your medicine. That requires trust, right? That requires a level of experience. It requires not bright and shiny of just do my cleanse, buy my product. I'm diving into the actual foundations, your gut, your hormones, detoxification, drainage, pleasure, embodiment, self-worth. Those two happen side by side so that we don't think this is just a vessel where as soon as you finally poop well, all your problems are going to be solved. And so now as a result, I'm building a course. I'm building a course to have women have access to this. Um, there's been a lot of demand and it's really wonderful. And the course is all of those foundations that I talk about that I realized I started repeating myself in. I don't care who you are. I don't care where you came from. You deserve to make sure that none of these are missed because a lot of them are free. A lot of them need to be taught and a lot of them are forever. Mm -hmm. Your medicine cabinet stays with you. So it's not people who come to me hooked on supplements, spending hundreds a month or on meds or all of these different external factors. The course essentially is the most critical foundations and it's mm -hmm. physically merging this idea of root cause medicine. Let's get to the root, but then bring in the embodiment. Let's bring in the alchemy, the bliss, the pleasure, mm -hmm. and let's not make it ironic. It's not spiritual bypassing. You're not suddenly becoming this goddess. You're not suddenly getting pleasure out of everything. You are just worthy. You are understanding of your sensuality. You understand what you crave. You might understand what your needs are versus your wants. Mm -hmm. Two very different things, gotcha. right? You wind up identifying things that can actually serve you and you physically show up completely different, even if a lot of your life stays the same, or it gives you audacity to change some things up. Hmm. Um, so women do, they, they do leave transformed, but the transformation is, I keep telling people all the time, like, this is fabulous. And the transformation is that vitality. It's that self-worth piece. It's that resilience piece because you might get better and you might be like me. The first thing I did when I got better is I went to Florida, I got stung by a jellyfish and I was like, great. But now I like, I had all these like weird symptoms after that, or I, at one point in my life was prone to car accidents. And I was like, you literally don't know with, with autoimmunity, with things like this, things will just happen. It's life. But what's happening to women is I ask them all the time, just score it for me. Just grade it. The improvement. I'm not putting this anywhere. Zero to a hundred. Yeah. And what they'll say is, oh my gosh, this same thing happened to me that always happens to me. It affected me 20% less. Or you know what? This usually ruins my day. Mm -hmm. I was okay. And that's the whole point is that if you invest in yourself properly, I'm, I'm very transparent with women <laughs> that initially you're in debt and all the work that we're doing is we're taking this beautiful currency and contributing so that you can pay off your debts. But this is not a get rich quick scheme. Mm -hmm. This is a slow compounding interest investment, right? And so this idea of the first 10 bucks doesn't really matter, but after a while you hit zero and zero is that lack of symptoms. Or feeling like you want to get out of bed and you might have a little bit of purpose. You're not just anxious. Are you sure we're not talking about money or investment in a course. We're just talking about your life. Just to be clear. Exactly. Just the currency of your physical life. Exactly. And you are, and a lot of my analogies are wildly terrible. So I just pick them as they come along. So. But this is a course. I'm, no, 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 no. 
No, no, no. This has nothing to do with that. It's more that I really want people to visualize. No, I think it's an analogy. The fact that you, you know, the fact that as a woman you're drained so much and giving away, you have an empty. There's, there's nothing. No, it's, it's a debt, right? You're gonna recruit multiple investors, precisely. And so you need. I tell people all the time, please build out your village. I'll give you more resources. I am not the wizard. The whole point is, though, I have multiple experiences, and you become. You have the sovereignty to understand how this works for you. You have a course that's a, I guess, a video course, right? So people can actually see. Uh, yeah, what... so it'll be a three-month course. There'll be mm-hmm. they'll be live with me. Um, about every once a week, once every two weeks, we'll have that connection. Uh, but the course is self-paced because what I find is that if you break things up properly, this is it's about three months. It's about twelve weeks, ninety days mm-hmm. to dive in mm-hmm. and to have this information. This goes through how do you prepare yourself? What mindset do you have and have to have? How dare a woman in neuroscience talk about magnetism and have it not be about physics? How do you actually put this into a course where people- Or how do you dare she talk about generational trauma being eliminated exactly. or- right. Precisely. How do you actually go about these things and not feel like it's another thing on your plate, but you now have the right. tools? And so it's the things that I, I mean, I'm a busy to... lawyer. I'm, I'm a mom and a busy lawyer uh, working crazy hours. And then, you know, what am I supposed to do this now? I'm going to take on more. And you're saying uh, that's not. Exactly. I've, um, I mentioned I'm in the Bay area. I work with a lot of women who they, they do wild and beautiful things and they do, they run companies, they run households. Um, they, they write books, they do all of it. There has never been a question about working with me. Usually it's, it's a no brainer by the time women find me because they, they found me. Right. And that's, that's the whole point that I'm trying to say is this is not bright and shiny. It's ancestral. This lets you still have the life that you deserve. And it's the, if it's the same one that you have now, fabulous, feel better in it, feel wildly, feel turned on, get aligned, get excited, rekindle something with your partner, find a new partner, don't need a partner, go on vacation, who cares? But every single time these foundations are missed. And so I'm going to move to groups so I can see more women. There will be retreats happening so that women can understand this actual fusion of science is sexy, but magic is real. Yep. It's these two things. We deserve them both. And the idea isn't that your thyroid is just managed. Then what? <laughs> Great. Nothing happened to you. Right. So where do we actually take that further? without feeling like this, this deep sense of overwhelm where now you're a princess, now you're a queen. Now it's just, it's this slow burn. And that to me is what sensuality is and why I talk about it so often is it's that slowness, right? It's that slowness of how do you actually unpack this in a way that's not your boot camp mm-hmm. approach before you know it, you're like, oh, I, where'd this just come from? It's inherent, right? Did I find it? Did I learn it? Who cares? It's just part of me. And so that's usually what women, I, I joke all the time. I'm like, I'm, I'm trying to get you out of my practice. I would love to know you as a human being, but the whole point is that I'm not your IV pole. You're not hooked up to this. And I'm the one that has the answers. It's the fact that fundamentally they're in you. That's and, but if I was never taught other women, sure. I do sex ed 101 for what women, for women, men in their forties, fifties, sixties. And I'm like, did you know that this is your infradian rhythm? And they're like circadian. I'm like infradian. And they're like, okay, let's go back. Let's, what are you talking about? And this is your birthright. These foundations, this knowing about your body, your physiology 
it's a birthright of ours and we were never taught. So before we shoot for the stars, right? Like, please make sure that you know your terrain, right? How do, what's your gut trying to tell you? What's your nervous system trying to tell you? What, how, like hormones, all of it. What do you need to detox from? Is it in your body? Is it outside? So it's really dynamic, but it's fun. That's the wildest that part about it. Sounds like a lot of fun. I think you should have something for men out there too. Trust me. Um, it's, it's in the works. It's, it's in the works. I've had the pleasure of working with just incredible men too. We're not supposed to suffer. We're not designed to suffer. We, we choose to suffer. I mean, pain is real, but physical pain is real. But yeah, struggle is also suffer. real. Struggle is right? real too. Like, yeah. I, I tell that to people all the time. I'm and a mama. Suffering is not. Suffering mm -hmm. is a choice. So it this hormone th alchemy, somebody had at some point I was reading through this. Is, like, is there like a, you inject hormones? What's hormone alchemy in your I know it's trademark? What does that mean? Yes, um, that is there. No one's injecting anything into you. <laughs> um, supplemental pills. Um, no, so it really is this idea of reviving your hormones, re rewiring your nervous system. It is the alchemical process of transforming something that at this point doesn't serve most women at all mm -hmm. and turning it into something that lights you up physically. Right? It's turning metal to gold. In this case, the idea is this is your baseline and we're, it's a blueprint. The, the idea of it is it's a blueprint of the most essential foundations throughout the entire body that put you into this root cause revival state where you're getting women, this is that ease. Is this easy to implement? That's another question. Um, I would say that's, that's in the eye of the beholder. Um, I, I screen people carefully more than I'm like, I'm like, I just want to have fun too. Right? Like it's every time that you and someone enters your space, I'm like, this is an energetic exchange. We both got to like this date. Right. And so if a woman isn't willing to change, if a person is saying that I just, I want to wake up tomorrow, I don't want to do anything, right? There's a lot of victimization. There's a lot of why me? Mm -hmm. This is absolutely not for women who want the quick fix of it's the pill, the supplement or whatever. I work with herbs. I happily share this information. I think they're wonderful and I think there's a time and a place for them. But this mm -hmm. is for women who've already recognized that they deserve more, recognize that they're willing to carve out a little space for themselves in their lives, just a tiny space of worth where what they're doing, it's not easy, but it sure as hell is worth it. Right. And right. once your body wires for it, that's when it becomes second nature. Um, it's, it very much becomes second nature. And the whole point is I've, uh, I've talked to other um, women in the field about this where they're like, yeah, you know, we have to keep them really rigid. We have to like, just let them know you'll never be able to eat this again. You'll never be able to do this again. And I'm like, yeah, I live a very different life. Mm -hmm. I want to enjoy my life. Uh-uh. If someone, I, I mentioned I'm from Eastern Europe. If someone tells me not to eat something, the first thing I'm going to do is eat it in slow motion while I look them in the eyes. <laughs> like, I'm like, uh-uh, no, I want to, I want to live. I want to enjoy, but I absolutely want answers. So it's this idea of sovereignty. It's this idea of body agency. There's things where I actually had to cut things out temporarily, but I travel, I eat, I try to live a life in technicolor. I mentioned I'm a mama. This is something that I freely try to share with my daughter early on so that she can have this, this language as well, 
where it's we we do talk about boundaries, we talk about needs, but the idea is you're actually trying to live a life you love, not a life of obsession, compulsion, restriction, where now you're in the wellness space and all you're doing is a cleanse every other day and you can't eat any food. You basically all you do is you eat like sprouts, yeah. right? You're, everything is so mechanically like shoved into this mold. And the whole point is I want women to meet themselves on the other side. Who are you when it's juicy? Who are you when you understand your body? Who are you when you understand that you might have cravings, right? And they might not be your yeast. They might be your soul, right? The thing that inherently might be causing them is fabulous rather than inflammatory. Um, so it's just, I can't say some of some it's half and half, half is easy where I tell women things like, please know that you should poop out your hormones. And they're like, in. and I'm like, a lot of it is just anatomically these one liners where I'm like, Hey, you can't unknow this. If you're constipated, you will have hormone issues because they're not coming out. And they're like, that would have been fabulous to know 50 years ago. And I'm like, let's work on that. That's easy. A lot of this knowledge is easy. It just was never taught. And so once women get ignited about this and excited about it, generally it's in flow. I don't want to get too excited because I get, I get excited about this stuff so easily too. So, Hey, I could go on forever. I know there's, so, I had like a million other questions, but, but I know that it's always like a little ticking clock somewhere. You want them to reach you, I assume. So we'll put, put your contacts and how, how to reach you in the show notes. I know you have a freebie for them. I do. I have a couple of things, um, especially as things get built out. I just want women to know things. I want them to know what's been missed. I always tell women, like, I don't even care where your labs came from. As long as they're good, like, let's just, let's just get into it. And so a lot of information I share freely. Um, so I have a newsletter. Um, I built out something, I guess it's, uh, it got built out a couple of years ago. And so it gets updated, um, which is essentially the 10 essentials that I've seen that are mostly missed in women. The 10 essential foundations okay. that are almost always missed, right? They're I'll always, always so they have it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Sorry. Um, it's such a good place to start. Um, I have a guide for women on cyclical living, understanding what in the world is that? Um, I joke all the time. Every woman hears me say, I'm a fabulous woman to take suggestions from because I don't want to do most of anything. I like, I, I don't want to spend four hours cooking dinner. I don't want to build a spreadsheet of the 900 supplements that I'm taking. Right. And so a lot of this is advice that's, it's both like, physically professional experience and it's this humanity to it where it's not me saying look I'm an influencer and I spent my entire life just doing this one thing and that's why it looks so good it's that I do run a company I I do have a daughter I there's a lot of moving parts and so a lot of things are, are meant to be sustainable so that's what I'm after is that these are sustainable and most often missed and from there, they can learn about the course, they can learn about group and retreat opportunities. But the idea right now is that I just want them to learn. I just want them to learn and start so asking good. questions. So good. I, you know, I, it's an unusual episode for me out of the 70 plus that I've had. Um, they must be wondering, what are you doing with this woman about women? What's going on? And I go, well, I just felt moved to, to bring you on because I just felt, uh, I, I don't care 
gender has no, no I mean, my, my audience is not just men, but, but you focus on what you focus on. So I think that's great that women listening to this, uh, hopefully, I don't know, hopefully they did better get charged up because they got to connect with this lady. She is really a force to reckon with. And, oh, I, I, I appreciate that. And just you a are. quick note. Otherwise you wouldn't be here. Sorry. Oh, it's, uh, <laughs> I, I do appreciate it. And you're not wrong. <laughs> <laughs> You're not wrong. This is, it's earned. It's I, I I joke that I earned the right to put up my white coat. I earned the right to dress in color. Um, mm. And most importantly, other women have two. And so the idea, even what I appreciate about you bringing me on, like you said, I, I do run a woman's practice. Mm-hmm. Everybody has women in their lives. And what's most important is that what we see is women have become martyrs rather than models. And so essentially what I'm showing them is please model behavior, take on, how do we take on things where you model it? Don't martyr yourself out, which means oftentimes I have their partners or I have their sons or whoever hop on camera and literally do this. And sometimes they're waving and they're like, yo, just thank you. Like whatever's going on here, just thank you because it benefits everybody. Same thing with cyclical living. Sure. It's a woman's hormones. Imagine if a partner knew exactly when to say, hey, like, I'm just going to give you some time. You want a bath? You offer a woman a bath at the wrong time of the month and she'll be like, why do you think I need a bath? Like, what do I like? What's wrong? You offer it to her two weeks later and she'll be like, oh, my God, this is the best thing in the world. The whole point of this is it's just awareness because we all coexist. Right. We all coexist. And if you're curious. I mean, I know you come from a culture, but look where I come from. It's still the dark ages uh, in India. I know there's movies about all the wonderful mm-hmm. things that women are doing and, and being out there on the forefront. But truth, truth be told, in reality, it's still way, 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 way behind. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it's time to leave all that, that behind as we started this conversation by saying, you, you started by saying, I want to leave all, you had to leave certain things behind. So, so we move forward. And I think that's amazing. Yes. So I really appreciate you being here sharing your wisdom, sharing your wonderful, uh, what you've learned and your learnings and your teachings. And, and, and I'm sure that the world is going to be a better place for that. Thank you. Um, I really appreciate that. And it's, it's absolutely wonderful to speak with you today. Um, first time. One last question. There's always a last question with me. Oh, heck yeah. So in the vein of not taking anything for granted, making sure that, you know, we're all here to, to connect with each other because part of this old conscious, uh, unity consciousness is about unity consciousness mm-hmm. and i always ask about what's your what do you think bold is and what do you think conscious is i didn't get get through that with you t- today but one thing is in the vein of not taking things for granted was there anything that you discovered about yourself or otherwise in this in this conversation today yeah i think it's absolutely doing an instant reflection <laughs> right now live i remember even thinking about it, because I don't, I, I freely share my story with, with the women in my practice. I tell them I'm sick. Like it's, I was sick. It's, it's a really important point for me to understand that I am mm-hmm. them. But I don't often tell my story from the beginning or like, what are these milestones? And I think that I discovered that there is this before and after picture where I'm, I now am telling the story as the after where If you told me 10 years ago that this is where I would be, I could leave medicine. 
I figured that when I left, I just committed career suicide. That was it. There was nothing else. Um, there's just this like this need to to do something terrifying, right? And I think I just discovered that even when I share it back with you, my body response is completely different. It's no longer the woman that's doing it, right? I've said that before where now it almost feels like, can I do it like everyone else? Can I become an entrepreneur? Can I leave it all behind? Can I burn things down? Now, as I talk about it with you, it almost broaches like the next question in my head of now, how do I do it? Like it's never been done. I did it. I did the absolutely scary thing. And even as I talk to you, she seems more like someone I'm deeply grateful for, but she seems like a memory. And the present at this point feels like someone where I'm like, oh, the emotions are actually different. Mm -hmm. It feels like a completely different context. And that feels really pretty magical. That's awesome. Well, you know, clearly you're bold. I didn't have to tell anybody that you're bold. Well, what does bold mean to you? And you're clearly conscious because everything you teach is, is, is about being more conscious and being more awake and aware. So thank you. And thank you again. And um, I hope uh, there'll be many more of these with you. Mm, absolutely. Um, thank you so much. It's absolutely incredible that you do this. Um, thank you for listening to the stories of those of us who initially thought we didn't have one. So cheers. Cheers. Thanks so much. And that, my friend, brings us to the end of another episode of Bold Conscious Connections. I hope today's conversation has sparked new ideas and inspired you to embrace your own journey of growth and entrepreneurship. Remember, every step forward is a step towards achieving your dreams and your success. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and download the episode that you heard today. This way you can stay connected with our community of bold and conscious leaders. Take at least one action today, my friend, towards your goals, and join us next time for more empowering stories and insights. Here is to your power. <laughs>